Welcome back to Love Murder Current Affairs, our show about the stories of love gone fatally wrong that are in the news right now. On last week's Current Affairs, we asked you if you wanted us to cover the news surrounding the Long Island serial killer case. The answer was a resounding yes, so here is our plan. Given that the case is still seeing breaking news and significant developments, Current Affairs will be keeping track and bringing you some major updates. I think we're going to try to label or number these in some way. So if you catch us on a later episode, you can go back. At the same time, we want to acknowledge that these shorter episodes might not give you the level of detail you'd like. So we'd encourage you to go listen to the extraordinary number of episodes and even full podcasts that have been dedicated to the case. Today, we'll discuss a wild update about a terrifying discovery in suspect Rex Huerman's home. But first, let's do a super quick background for those who either haven't previously followed the case or who are catching up. In May 2010, Shannon Gilbert, a 24-year-old escort from New Jersey, disappeared after meeting a client she had connected with through Craigslist on Long Island's Oak Beach. In the early morning hours of May 1st, 2010, Shannon fled her client's home in a state of panic and made a frantic 23-minute 911 call saying, they're trying to kill me. She was last seen running into the dense and marshy undergrowth that lined the private community where she had been working. Initially, the search for Shannon was not successful. A trained cadaver dog, a German shepherd named Blue, spent the summer searching the gated community, but to no avail. However, a few months later, in December 2010, Blue's handlers had the idea to search in a different spot, closer to the roadway. In a marshy area off Ocean Parkway near Gilgo Beach, police discovered the remains of a woman that were stuffed in a disintegrating burlap bag. They initially thought that they had found Shannon. However, forensic investigations quickly revealed that this was not Shannon, but rather a different woman, Melissa Bartholomew. Like Shannon, Melissa was an escort who had advertised her services on Craigslist. This shocking discovery led the police to widen their search area. Over the next few days, they discovered the bodies of three more women in the same vicinity, Maureen Brainard Barnes, Amber Lynn Costello, and Megan Waterman. Like Melissa and Shannon, all were escorts who had been reported missing and who had also used Craigslist to connect with their clients. Way too much of a coincidence. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until almost a year later in December 2011 that Shannon Gilbert's remains were eventually found in a marshy area near Oak Beach, about half a mile from where she had last been seen. Despite the striking similarities between Shannon's case and the four women found near Gilgo Beach, police have suggested that Shannon's death may not be related to the Long Island serial killer due to differences in the circumstances of her disappearance and the manner of disposal of her remains compared to the other victims. Shannon's cause of death was also never definitively determined with debate over whether she died of accidental drowning or if foul play was involved. Now, after the initial four bodies were discovered in December of 2010, a set of additional victims were identified as well. In March and April 2011, investigators discovered four more sets of remains spread out over several miles along the parkway. These bodies were all found in Nassau County, east of the original bodies. They included two women, a man, and a toddler. The woman initially known as Jane Doe 6, but later identified as Valerie Mack, had been dismembered, and her body parts were found in two separate locations. Her torso was found in Manorville in 2000, while her skull, hands, and right foot were found along Ocean Parkway in 2011. One of the victims was an Asian male, dressed in women's clothing, a departure from the killer's typical victims who were mostly female sex workers. 
The toddler, referred to as Baby Doe, was linked through DNA testing to Jane Doe number three, suggesting that they were mother and child. It was later revealed that Jane Doe number three was also known as Peaches from a previous case, in which a dismembered torso was discovered in 1997, but never identified. She was given the Peaches moniker after a heart-shaped peach tattoo she had on her chest. Also in April of 2011, the police found the skull, hands, and forearm of a victim known as Jessica Taylor, an escort who had disappeared in 2003. Her torso had previously been discovered in 2003 in Manorville, located about 45 miles from Gilgo and Oak Beach. Lastly were the remains of Jane Doe No. 7, including a skull and several teeth that were also recovered in April 2011 and had been linked to other remains of severed legs that had been found 15 years earlier in 1996. Oh, this is crazy. And this case was incredibly difficult for investigators. Although all of these victims' remains were found in the same area, investigators could not definitively say that they were all killed by the same person. The significant variations in victimology, men, women, and a child, and method, dismemberment of only some of the victims, led to speculation that there might have been more than one killer. What's more, for the next few years, the case was caught up in fraught local politics. In December 2015, former Suffolk County Police Chief James Burke was indicted for civil rights violations and conspiracy. Among other transgressions, he had apparently been blocking FBI involvement in the Gilgo Beach murders for years. A day after the indictment, the FBI announced that they were joining the investigation. On top of that, new police chief Tim Seney refocused the department's efforts on the case. The next few years were a slog, with a huge amount of work just going into identifying the victims. In 2017, the Suffolk County prosecutor Robert Biancavia identified convicted murderer John Bitrolf as a suspect in at least some of the murders. Bitrolf had been arrested in 2014 after DNA connected him to two murdered sex workers who had been found in 1993 and 1994. He was convicted in May 2017 of those murders and sentenced to consecutive 25-year terms. Bitrolf lived a few miles away from where the torsos of Jessica Taylor and Valerie Mack had been found. Suspiciously, the daughter of one of the victims Bitrolf was convicted of killing was also best friends with Melissa Bartholomew, one of the Gilgo Beach victims. However, the latest developments in the case would really begin in February 2022 when a new homicide task force was assembled, including local, state, and federal investigators. It's the trifecta. Tri-state trifecta, baby. (laughs) Exactly. There were a few key areas of investigation that led detectives to Hurerman. The first was cell phone data. In the years since the murders had originally taken place, technology had advanced such that police were able to map calls that had come from and gone to victims' phones in the days surrounding their deaths. There were two major areas. The first were calls that happened late at night around the time of the murder. Those were traced to an area consisting of several hundred homes in a town called Massapequa Park. Investigators called the area in question the Polygon and worked under the assumption that this was where the killer lived. Daytime data from the same phones showed another key area in midtown Manhattan, which was presumed to be where Lisk worked. Still, without one big break, police might have stayed at a loss. When the task force was initiated, investigators went back through the mountain of hundreds of pages of documents, tips, witness testimony, and more from the earlier days of the investigation. 
Buried in the case file was an interview with Amber Costello's former roommate, Dave Schaller. Schaller said that in September 2010, he returned home to find Amber hiding in the bathroom while a massive man, described as Frankenstein-like, threatened her. Schaller confronted the man and got into a fight before he ultimately retreated to a Chevy Avalanche truck. The next day, another witness in the file, which may or may not have been Dave Schaller, saw a similar truck drive by after Amber had left to meet a client. September 2nd, 2010 was the last time that Amber was ever seen alive. Somehow, this incredibly rich interview was ignored for a decade. Dave commented, I gave them the exact description of the truck and the dude. I mean, come on, why didn't they use it? Ultimately, however, they did. It just took a little bit longer. The task force tracked down owners of similar Chevy Avalanche trucks in the area and were then able to match Schaller's physical description to one person, the one 59-year-old architect Rex Hureman. Wow, that is some incredible police work. It's been sitting there for 10 years. (laughs) I know, but really putting together, finding the areas and the, yeah, the Chevy Avalanche. Well, uh, Hewerman owned a Chevy Avalanche at the time of the murders at 6'4 and 270 pounds. That is a terrifying size. He matched the physical description as well, despite being married for 25 years, having two children, being a business owner, and generally not what the police had imagined he quickly became the prime suspect. With their sights set on Hewerman, evidence started piling up, with the capstone and centerpiece of the case being DNA. Authorities collected DNA from trash that had been left in trash cans outside Hewerman's home in July of 2022 and compared it to the DNA of hairs found on two of the victims' bodies. The hairs were a match for both Rex and his wife. Upon investigation, however, Hewerman's wife had been out of the state or even out of the country during the time of the murders, and she was cleared. Another piece of damning evidence were Hewerman's Google searches. Once again. (laughs) Those Google searches, they will get you. Get you every time. Between March 2022 and June 2023, his searches fell into two broad categories. The first was horrifying torture and child pornography so vicious and graphic that we're going to skip any and all of the specifics. But the second category of searches, however, were entirely focused on the Long Island serial killer case. And they included, why could law enforcement not trace the calls made by the Long Island serial killer? Why hasn't the Long Island serial killer been caught? Cops launch Gilgo Beach Homicide Investigation Task Force. In Long Island serial killer investigation, new phone technology may be the key to break in case. Plus a huge number of searches of the victims Megan Waterman, Melissa Bartholomew, Maureen Brainerd Barnes, and disturbingly searches about their relatives as well. All of this culminated on Thursday evening, July 13th, when Rex Hewerman was arrested in Midtown Manhattan and later transported back to Suffolk County. Debriefing the public and press about the arrest, authorities said that they made the capture in Manhattan because they believed Hewerman to have a massive cache of guns in his home with over 90 firearms registered to his name. Subsequent searches of the home over the past two weeks have revealed that he actually has between 200 and 300 guns, 279 firearms to be exact. I can't even... (laughs) 
In fact, the two weeks following the arrest have been something of a madhouse. Authorities have been overturning every stone on the property, literally using an excavator to dig up the backyard, using ground-penetrating radar also to investigate anything that might be buried. On top of forensic evidence, police were also looking for items that might be souvenirs of the killings, which we know happens more than you would think. Yeah, it also seems like they're looking for more victims potentially. Yes, of course. While details are still coming out, one thing investigators did find was a basement vault with concrete walls two to three feet thick where Hewerman kept his firearms. Well, that's terrifying. And you know what else is? One item from the literal horror movie column was a child-sized blonde doll that was posed inside a wooden case which was not found in the children's rooms in the house, that is absolute nightmare fuel. That is actually Andy's worst nightmare. She hates creepy dolls. I hate dolls. Catching a glimpse of the horror scene has fast become the hottest ticket in New York. People have been lurking around the house ever since the arrest. It's gotten so bad that Nassau County police have had to threaten $150 fines for anyone blocking traffic. One of the visitors was the one, the only, Mayor Rudy Giuliani, who asked a cop how close to the house he could get. (sighs) He's wanting to four seasons this bitch up. Oh, my gosh. A spokesperson later said that, quote, he was on the scene to cover this heinous crime as part of his hit new live stream show. On Wednesday, police said they were wrapping their search of Hewerman's home. News 12 Long Island has reported that multiple sources had told them that investigators believe that one or more of the murders happened at the home. The Suffolk County District Attorney pushed back on the speculation, saying that investigators had not yet made that determination. In addition to their work in New York, investigators are also following up on other areas that Rex Huberman had contacts to be in to see if there are unsolved murders in those areas as well. This includes South Carolina, where he and his brother both owned property and where an 18-year-old woman went missing around 20 miles from properties linked to him. It also includes Nevada, where he had a timeshare. And it includes New Jersey, where the unsolved Black Horse Pike murders saw the bodies of four sex workers discovered in a roadside ditch in 2006. So far, the Atlantic City Prosecutor's Office says that there are no official connections to the Gilgo Beach murders, but the case has been reopened. As for Hewerman himself, he entered a plea of not guilty at his arraignment. His attorney has already begun spinning a narrative that his client has been, quote, convicted in the media already, making it hard to find an impartial jury. Well, Hewerman isn't doing himself any favors in that department, given that according to CNN, his only question upon intake into the jail was, is it in the news? Mm, And that makes me think he's not concerned that it is in the news. He wants it to be. Yes. Hewerman's family appears to be completely blindsided by the news. His wife, Asa Ellerup, was reported by the Suffolk police to have been shocked and disgusted when she learned of the allegations and almost immediately filed for divorce. Suffolk County Police Commissioner Rodney Harrison said of the family's reaction, they were disgusted, they were embarrassed. So if you ask me, I don't believe they knew about this double life that Hewerman was living. So much of the time, I don't think they know. No. Since the arrest, media has been digging up anyone they can with a story to tell about Hewerman. Neighbors, for example, have reported everything from Hewerman being quiet but otherwise normal to the house being one that kids were told to avoid on Halloween. 
The story of one horrifying encounter came from Nicole Brass, a 34-year-old who had once met up with Hewerman when she was working as an escort. Apparently, Hewerman had requested to meet at a hotel room near Massapequa Park, but Brass instead insisted on meeting at a seafood restaurant. Brass said that initially Hewerman seemed normal, but then he brought up the Gilgo Beach murders and things got very weird, very quickly. Brass said, quote, when he spoke, something about his body language changed, the look in his eyes changed, and it seemed like talking about the victims was enjoyable for him. The way he talked about it was really weird, and it gave me the worst gut feeling. I was so scared at the end of it. I didn't try to keep the dinner going long after that. Well, Andy, this is truly one of the most horrifying cases we have ever covered in the regular Love Murder episodes and current affairs. We expect that there will be much more coming to light in the weeks to come, and we will share the most important details we can every week on current affairs. Our hearts, of course, go out to all of the victims' families, and we do hope that this arrest brings some measure of closure and hopefully a spotlight on how these victims lived their lives and not just how they died. Yeah, I mean, this is decades of work and investigations that are finally coming to a head and have so many connections potentially in other states and cities. So I'm, I am hoping that all of this ends in some sort of peace for the victims' families. Yes, and it's something to remember that no case is unsolvable. No cold case will never be solved. Not to give up hope if you have a loved one that is missing, that maybe someday your answers will come to. Until next time, I'm Jesse Prey. And I'm Andy Cassette signing off for Love Murder Current Affairs. 